0: Does John Wall make any sense for the New Orleans Pelicans? Plus, would an in season tournament work in the NBA? And some thoughts on the luxury tax. Let's dive into it all in today's episode here on Locked On Pelicans. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at NOLAJAKE on Twitter. Still coming to you all from Alabama, but hopefully driving back to New Orleans either tomorrow or the next day. So we should hopefully have another podcast for you at some point this week. I'm not entirely sure when, but supposedly the internet. Is on at my place in New Orleans, so that's that's a good sign. But today's show is going to be kind of fun because we heard the news yesterday coming from Shams of the Athletic that John Wall and the Rockets are kind of parting ways in a sense, they're shutting him down. He's going to be around the team, but he won't be playing any games as the season starts. He's playing kind of that veteran leadership role, but they don't want him there. They're going to look to find another destination for him. Is there any universe? that it makes sense for the Pelicans to go after John Wall. We'll talk about that in the first segment of today's show. Then I want to talk about the in-season tournament, something the NBA has been looking to try and do for a while. I've been in favor of this, and then as I really started to think about it, I'm not so sure that I am anymore, and I'll explain why. I just don't know if there's stakes enough to really kind of make this work. And then finally, we're going to wrap up talking about the luxury tax and the Denver Nuggets, too, because I think what they're doing is a little bit significant in a milestone, in a way, and I'll explain what I mean about that in the third segment of today's show. Before we get into the John Wall stuff, though, don't forget about the Locked On NBA podcast, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I co-host the Wednesday edition, so I'm on there every single week. It's small market versus big market, as I, the host of Locked On Pelicans, co-host with John Krause of Locked On Celtics for a look at the NBA week from all angles. So follow the Locked On NBA podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast from so the news yesterday was uh, the big news was John Wall parting ways with the Houston Rockets he's going to kind of be around the team but he's not going to play games as they work on finding him another destination the interesting thing about that I thought was he'll still be around the team you know kind of practice and work out a little bit but not playing games they don't think this is going to get done before the start of the regular season and it's not hard to kind of see why this guy who's age 31 who just hasn't been fully healthy the past like four years he missed all of the 2019 2020 season and he's owed a lot of money he's owed 92 million dollars over the next two seasons he's owed 44 million dollars next year he's owed 47 million dollars the season after that um, which is a player option which you would assume he's going to opt into the 47 million dollar part of his contract This is a guy, again, who hasn't been healthy and isn't kind of the same player that he once was. He still has some of the explosiveness and some of the scoring act, but not the same kind of transcendent guy that made him an all-star for five straight years. But he's still a productive player. Look, in 40 games last year, he averaged 20.6 points per game, almost seven assists per 6.9, and did some overall good things. Still got to the free throw line over five times per game, made him at a 75%... Clip, that's all pretty good, right? Not the most efficient shooting season, shot 40.4% pretty bad from the field. So 20.6 points on 18.2 shots per game. Not great with a high usage rate, but still somewhat productive. And look, he's an above average defender. And so as I saw this, I immediately at first thought, you know, I wouldn't hate him, wouldn't hate him as a buy low candidate for New Orleans, right? Because in theory, Houston should be given. Whatever team trades for John Wall, something to take him on. They traded uh, uh, the. They got a first round pick from the Wizards in that Russell Westbrook deal to take on the John Wall contract. Essentially, right? This wasn't a guy that's in very high demand, and that contract uh, contract is a bit of an albatross around a team's neck. So you're paying a lot of money for a guy that's just not living up to that. Useful player, over 20 point per game score, but not worth 44, 47 million dollars over the next two years. So if that's the case, maybe the team should try and buy low on him right? He's still more of a pure point than anyone else on the team here in New Orleans right now, certainly more so than Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's much better than Tomas Sadoransky. That's just kind of a blah player to me. You know, Kyra Lewis Jr. is very unproven, and I don't know if he's ready for a starting role just yet. So maybe roll the dice on a buy low situation for John Wall. And then you start to get into the logistics of it, right? And it doesn't really work. In theory, it sounds great on paper. Maybe you make him your third or fourth option offensively where he can be a little, maybe it ups his efficiency, not having to take on a significantly high offensive role in terms of trying to score. I kind of like that idea for him. He had a usage rate of 31.7% last season. That's insanely high, right? He's not going to have that here in New Orleans. Um, So if he can kind of, you That's higher than anyone on this Pelicans roster had last year. So if that drops, maybe his efficiency goes up a little bit, but he's not an outside shooter. He doesn't shoot from three, really. He hasn't been good from that area at almost any point in his career. So I'm not quite sure. But look, if it only took a second round pick to bring him in or something like that, it might be worth it. And then you go and play with the trade machine and there's just no way you can make something like this work. Maybe after December 14th would be the key day you could trade for him and you could do something along the lines of Jonas Valanciunas, Josh Hart and Tomas Sadoransky, because that's the type of salary it's going to take. And those are probably the only three guys you could actually use to make it work. That's the, you'd have to trade almost those three guys to equal his $44 million in salary. He's just makes so much money that it makes it so difficult to try and find a trade that makes any sense. It's a bit of a problem, actually, like trying to figure out how to construct a deal around John Wall is really, really hard. I unless it's going to be those three guys and you can trade Josh Hart after December 14th. And look, they might be looking to move him. I think they kind of are. It's basically a one year deal that he signed. Right. That's where all the guaranteed money is. It's not anywhere else on his contract. But it would, do you want to do it for John Wall? Maybe if you're going to lose Josh Hart no matter what you do, but then you've got to pay John Wall 44, uh, $47 million in the next season, next year. I'm not particularly thrilled about that. It basically limits anything that New Orleans could do, and they're positioned to have cap space again, though we learned... Cap space doesn't really do a whole lot for this team. You know They can't give their money away, in a sense, to a lot of these guys. So maybe if you think John Wall is a missing piece or someone you should roll the dice on, I could see it happening because you just don't expect to spend it. And look, free agency next year, when you look at, and we'll talk about this in the third segment, Aaron Gordon signing an extension with the Denver Nuggets, a lot of guys that would be free agents that would have been big names to go after have signed extensions and aren't actually going to be free agents next year. So maybe you look at it like that. But man, that's a lot of money for an older John Wall who, yes, displays some of the qualities you'd want on this team, but it's it's a lot of money. And you got to kind of factor that in. And it get, it'll get into something we're going to talk about in the third segment of today's show too. But you tell me in the comments on YouTube and on Twitter at Nola Jake, would you have any interest in trading for John Wall? Especially if it took those three guys, Sadoransky, Josh Hart, and Valanciunas. And that's it. And maybe you get a first-round pick back. That could be a very underrated thing, I think, for New Orleans. By giving up their next year's first-round pick lottery protected to the Charlotte Hornets for Devontae Graham, they can't trade the future first-round pick after that because of the step-in rule. They cannot trade subsequent, basically. You can't owe consecutive first-round picks. So New Orleans can't trade away their first-round pick two seasons from now. But if you acquire a first-round pick in next year's draft, yes, you could. Or you could trade that again. So maybe by bringing in John Wall and moving out those guys, if you get John Wall and a first round pick or another or two first round picks, let's say, it opens New Orleans up to being able to make other trades and kind of unlocks part of the war chest of assets that they have and things that they could do during the season to try and upgrade this roster. That reason alone might make it worth it. But you can also probably go and get one of those picks somewhere else and in some other sort of deal to be able to move other picks around if those are the assets that teams want. So again, I don't know if it's worth it for just John Wall. But let me know on Twitter and in the comments here on YouTube, would you trade? For John Wall. So, coming up next, let's talk a little bit about the in-season tournament, and then we'll get into the luxury tax stuff. Um, but before we do that, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by TV Stream. Get your TV together. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, plus you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the other good stuff. Well, I want to tell you all about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and it's a great way to get your TV on all together and it's called direct tv stream and it brings you live tv and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite shows sports movies all in one place that means no more juggling remotes no more need to buy another device ever again and best part there's no annual contract so you can end it any time. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com, compatible device required, content varies by package. So the NBA for years has wanted to get an in-season tournament into the NBA in some capacity, like the League Cups and all of the European soccer leagues, which just adds something else to chase uh, for, you know, more trophies, more silverware, uh, if you will, to try and make the, you know, other ways for teams to kind of be competitive and have goals other than winning the title, which only one team's going to be able to do, and which some teams have a weighted advantage towards. And we'll get into that again, third segment, Luxury Tax Talk. So I like this idea from a certain perspective of, Make it interesting, make it so that teams can win something and it add value to their season or make their season feel like a success, even if they got bounced out around early in the playoffs, something like that, right? But then I've really started to think about it for the past, you know, I really thought about it yesterday. I've been thinking about it a little bit more. I, I just don't find a way that this really works because I kind of come back to like, who cares about this? You know, and I posed this question to you all on Twitter and it came back like overwhelmingly No. That if the Pelicans won whatever the in-season tournament was, but didn't make the playoffs, would that be considered a success? And it's like the answer is very clearly no. Zion's not playing on this team to win the in-season tournament. He's here to try and go deep in the playoffs. You know, and if other teams aren't taking the in season tournament very seriously, does it lose some value? Does it lose some importance? Yeah, probably. And no one's legacy is going to be measured on how many in season tournaments you won. It's still going to be about the rings, right? We live in a rings culture. It's about championships, and that's what players want. And that's what Zion Williamson, more importantly, would want. So, yes, it's cool that the Pelicans, you know, are the summer league champs or what have you. But ultimately, does not matter? No. We get to have a joke on Twitter for a couple of days about it, then we forget about it, and no one really cares anymore, and ultimately, it doesn't have any importance or any weight. And I keep coming back to feeling that way about the in-season tournament. Yes, you can offer these guys a million dollars each if they win it, but one, that money's taxed, so they're not going to get to see a pure million dollars go into their bank account, right? Some of the players, it's not really going to matter for Certainly, everyone's going to care about getting an extra million dollars. And for some players, that's going to really impact their financials way more than, say, guys like Zion or Brandon Ingram. But And, and that's nice. But are these players really going to play for the end of roster guys that are making league minimums and things like that? I, I don't really know. So it comes back to kind of being like, who, who cares? What's, what's the motivation for the players? What are the stakes other than money? And are the stakes high enough? And it doesn't just feel like they are. So I don't really know a way to do this the WNBA this past season experimented with an in-season tournament that didn't add really any games other than one to the calendar which is a big part of this right like we've heard for years the NFL didn't want to the players didn't want to add regular season games and play more risk injuries and all of that and kind of devalue their contracts I think Um to this you know probably the same extent for NBA players they don't want to play more games if they don't have to They'd probably rather play fewer games, I would imagine, and save their bodies and get more time off during the regular season or during the offseason. So if you could, but if you could do it without adding more games, it's interesting. So the WNBA added the Commissioners Cup, where every team in the league played 10 Commissioners Cup games. But it was kind of confusing and something that didn't really work, I think, and didn't land with players, fans, and, and just everyone in general around this. So the way it kind of worked is there were 10 games on your calendar on your season. That were marked as Commissioner Cup games, and they're part of the and they're the same as regular season games. And of those ten games you played, the two teams that had the best winning percentage over those ten select regular season games that counted also as Commissioner's Cup games played in the Commissioner's Cup final for an extra piece of silverware. So it doesn't add games; it just makes those ten games a little bit more important if you care about the Commissioner's Cup. The problem was it was confusing for fans because they didn't know which games counted and which games didn't. Players didn't really know what was going on. We've heard a couple of quotes from them being like, is our team in this? Is our team not? Yes, yes, you were. But if the players don't really get it, there's, there's no real motivation behind it. And there was money at stake for them and they just didn't seem to know and didn't really seem to care. And play and fans were confused. You know, I like that idea in theory. Since it only adds that one extra game, it'd be a way to maybe backload five of those Commissioner's Cup games into the end of the regular season, which disincentivizes tanking, I think, to a certain degree. But if the players don't care, if it's confusing for fans, I really don't know if it would work. And also, again, it comes back to, would you as a Pelicans fan care if the Pelicans won it, like beyond the week that they did? At the end of the regular season, are you going to go to whatever team won the NBA title and be like, yeah, but we won the commissioner's cup or the in-season tournament or whatever it is and think they're not going to laugh at you and go to them with like a straight face and be like, ours is more impressive. Probably not. And so, you know, would you even say that to a team that made like the conference finals or the NBA um, runner up, right? The team that makes the finals, but loses, would you go to the Phoenix Suns, let's say this year and be like, but we, we got the in-season tournament. You guys made it to the finals and lost. Yeah, I think I'd still rather be in the Suns' position. So I kind of keep coming back to, you know, does this matter? Is this something that these players will care about? Do the fans really care? And I just don't see it working because of that. If there's, it has got to be some other stakes out there other than money, you know, if it was $10 million per player, yeah, I think you'd see players really freaking motivated for that. But does the fan care if their favorite player gets $10 million more? Like, no, you know, that's kind of the issue with all this. So I just don't really see a way right now of the NBA trying to find a way that makes this work, that makes everyone kind of care. That's kind of the problem. But if you've gotten a way, if you've got a way that you think could make it work, please let me know again in the comments below or on Twitter at Nola Jake. So coming up, luxury tax talk, because the Denver Nuggets are going to be deep, deep into the luxury tax. And there was a meme joke out there that I liked, and I made a joke on top of it. And then I was like, maybe it's not actually a joke, and we'll get into what that is coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. But before we get to that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. And did you know they have so many delicious flavors? There's literally something for everyone: coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint, brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate cake. Plus all these limited edition flavors that come out with flash sales that are going to make them cheaper and things like that for you. If you want want to just take a better tasting protein bar with you to the gym this is the way to do it and the macros are good too 17 to 18 grams of protein calories between 130 and 180 so you're not wasting all that cardio that you just did only four to five grams sugar only four to five grams net carbs they're all amazingly tasty they're all healthy for you and to get them even cheaper you can go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 and you're going to get 15 percent off your next order again when you use promo code lock 15 over at uh, over at built.com trust me try the mint brownie it's tastes basically just like mint chocolate chip ice cream, but healthy for you and in protein bar form. So, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is also brought to you by betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever as all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on there to start another football season. And as always, betonline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. So, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a fifth, or sorry, 100%. They doubled it. 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. And don't forget, use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season over at betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. And the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, wrapping up today's show as we talk about the NBA, a little bit kind of just general show focused today. Um, but what I thought was interesting was we saw the Denver Nuggets come to an agreement with Aaron Gordon, a guy that they invested first round picks in, right? Trading for him last season from the Orlando Magic and got to a contract extension with him that looks a little bit high. There's some sticker shock on there, but I actually think it's like a fine deal for a player of his caliber and what he brings to that team. And... Looking at that though, knowing that there's going to be a max, that Jokic is on a super max, they're going to have a max extension for Michael Porter Jr. soon too. This is a team, and also you've got Jamal Murray there, right? This is a team that's paying the luxury tax. They're a mid-market team. They're not a small market, but they're not one of those glamour markets either that just got everything baked in. As this team is good, people show up to their arena. When they're bad, they're in the bottom third, bottom five when it comes to attendance. You know, they've had some issues getting them on TV and having prolonged blackouts out there. They're a pure mid-market team, you know, a little bit maybe ahead of the Pelicans in terms of market size and all of that. But they're going all in right now. You don't make this kind of deal and make this type of transaction signing them to a big extension like that without knowing that you're gonna pay the luxury tax and that your owner is committed to doing it. So someone, I forget who it was and it's okay, it's on my Twitter, made a joke of they, they have the banners in the Nuggets arena and they kind of, they photoshopped one that says 2022-2023 paid the luxury tax for when Michael Porter Jr.'s extension is going to inevitably kick in. I I kind of love this because it's funny because you're hanging a banner just for paying a luxury tax and then you think about it for a little bit. Is it wrong to kind of mark this as an accomplishment that a mid-market, small-market team like that pays the luxury tax? That seems like a really big deal in a way to me and that maybe you should in a sense hang the banner if an owner is going to pony up that kind of money for a really competitive team that that says something right imagine if gail benson you know was convinced by david griffin and the team that they have here to pay the luxury tax to really go all in wouldn't you say that's a big accomplishment a big achievement and arguably that's probably going to be the best team that the pelicans new orleans basketball franchise has ever had it's kind of a momentous occasion when an owner and a market and a city and a team pays the luxury tax that they normally that normally wouldn't. We've seen it with the Portland Trailblazers. They've been a tax team for a long time. They're in a bit of a different market, but they had a money bag's owner in Paul Allen when he was still alive. You also, you know, and there's some money there. You have the Knicks who paid the luxury tax more so than any other team over the past two decades the lakers will pay the luxury tax all these big market teams that have huge tv deals are going to pay the luxury tax it's rare that other teams don't to a certain degree so the fact that denver is hell yeah hang a banner up if you're a fan of that team you're you're freaking pumped you know at, at a certain point in time i think we we read too much into contracts and money and it's like oh we want them to save i really don't care about gail benson's money If you want to win in the NBA, you're going to need to pay. And I want her to pay. I don't want her and David Griffin to try and build a team on the cheap. So the fact that the Nuggets are doing this, instead of looking at them and being like, oh man, they got a big tax bill coming due. How are they going to do that? Are they going to get off guys? Are they going to use first round picks to try and shed salary later on? I don't want to think about that. Let's celebrate the fact that a team is actually going for a team that normally doesn't do that because we want them to succeed. You want the Denver Nuggets to win the NBA title next year because it's going to send a message to Gail Benson and to this Pelicans organization. You got to pay and you should pay because you have a chance when your window is really wide open. And look, the Denver Nuggets window is wide open right now for the next two or three years. Spend that money, owner. You should. It's not my money. I want you all to spend your money. You know, if it was my money, we might talk differently. But that's why owners don't do it. But that's why I want owners to do it and why I want Gail Benson to do it at a certain point. So I think this is actually like a really good thing, particularly if the Denver Nuggets have success and go really far. If they can make a finals, this is huge. And I think it does impact New Orleans in a sense as well. So that's why I wanted to spend a segment talking about it we should be rooting, I think, for the Denver Nuggets, except when they play the Pelicans. We want the Pelicans to beat them then. But yes, we should want the Denver Nuggets to do well because I think this is kind of a big sign uh, for what could be in smaller to mid markets in New Orleans falls into that bucket. So I'm going to be a Denver Nuggets fan next season to try and send a message to Gail Benson and the rest of this Pelicans organization that you, like, yes, spend. Use those first round picks that you have to go acquire talent and go into the luxury tax because you want to try and win an NBA title around Zion. On Williamson. All right. That's going to do it for the Wednesday edition here of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. Hopefully next time you see me, I'm not 100% certain with another storm there and rain and driving and all that. If I'll be back in New Orleans, hopefully different background. Hopefully the sound will be a little bit better. Um, And thank you all for bearing with me while I've been displaced for the past two and a half weeks, but hopefully back to normal. And look, Training camp and media days around the corner here, less than two weeks away, and I'm excited. I hope you're excited as well. It's going to be a lot of fun to really get back to Pelicans basketball, so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube as well. Leave a five-star review with a comment and tell a friend about the show. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all, I don't know, sometime soon.